Good morning again. Good morning. <laughs> hey, like I said, my name's Stephen Mitchell. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is a joy to be here this morning, the ability to come together uh, to celebrate Jesus Christ and all the things that he's done uh, for us and with us and in us and through us, and I'm just glad to be here. Uh, if I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, I would love to do so after the worship service. Uh, just just come, know that if you're a guest here, you are welcome here, and I am glad that you are here. Uh, and, and I will be outside those, those uh, very attractive brown doors after the worship service, and you can come over and, and say hi, and I'd love to, to hear what brings you here and tell you a little bit about what we're doing at Cassidy Church and, and how we're trying to live out our faith in a different way. Here at Cassidy, uh, we're, we're a group of Christ followers who believe that we have been called to meet people where they are and, and help them take their next steps on, on their spiritual journey. And so we'd love to have you join us with that. Uh, we started a new sermon series last week, and it's called Plus Side. And it's all about moving our lives to the plus side. We started by talking about prayer last week, and we talked about the fact that prayer unites God's people and unleashes God's spirit. It prepares us to, to, to be the people that God wants us to be and, and, moves God and, and allows us to see God boldly move through our prayers and through all the things that he is calling us to. This week, we're going to switch it up, and, and we're going to be talking about worship. Now, worship is one of my favorite conversation pieces. I love talking about worship because I think far too frequently we, we have a skewed understanding of worship in, in the United States. And, and the reason that I say that is because we, we think of worship as, as what we're doing right this second. This corporate coming together, this, this is worship. Uh, instead of the, the truth of what worship really is. And we're going to get into that. Uh, I just wanted to start by, by talking about, uh, in 1997, I had, I had been Christian for, for a little bit, uh, and, and I had talked to some folks about this, this event that was coming to St. Louis. I was living in Hannibal, Missouri. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Hannibal, so any opportunity I had to get out of Hannibal, I was, I was excited about. Uh, and so there was this event coming to St. Louis called Promise Keepers. You may, have, may remember, uh, or maybe some of y'all have gone to that. But in 1997, they were going to this huge venue. They were going to be in St. Louis. Uh, and we got a picture of this place. Uh, there was about 70,000 people that were supposed to, uh, to be with us. And I mean, the, the place was jam-packed. Uh, I, I, it was overwhelming. I mean, I walked into that place and, and, and it, I, I just, I, I got emotional about the whole scenario. I just, you know, like my hair was standing up on, on end, uh, not, not on my head, obviously, but uh, on, on, my, on my arms. And, and I, could, I could just tell that, that there was something special. And then we had 70,000 guys that are, are singing praise songs to God. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And, and, and right after that, uh, on the second day, because it's multiple days, on the second day we got together and one of the things that happened that just boggled my mind is they, they did an altar call at the end of, of this service. And I mean, the line to get down to just say, I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ was, was crazy. I mean, like you had to stand in line you know, to go and say, I want to be like Jesus. It's not like uh, most altar calls where you're like, yeah, we're going to do an altar call and nobody comes forward, right? It was just massive amounts of people. And so I, I, I went to this and I, I mean, this was a mountaintop experience for me. It was, it was emotional and, and it, was, it was filled with a bunch of people that were, were, were serious about what they were talking about, at least for the next couple of weeks. 
And what I found was that experience did not last in me. I, I, didn't, I didn't grow from it. I, I had an experience. I was very emotional. It was, it was cool to be a part of, but it didn't do anything. And, and I also noticed that the guys that went with us, that stood in that line waiting to go and say, yes, I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ, were the same guys that then went back into the same routines and, and not coming to church and not caring about, about what Jesus was doing as, as we had before. And so it, it broke my heart. It really did. I, 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 was, I was devastated because I thought that it was so transformational, and yet uh, I noticed around me and in me that, that it really didn't transform me the way that in my head it had. I got overly emotional about it, for sure, but it wasn't what God has in mind when God talks about worship. And I think that far too often we can, we can fall into that trap, that we can think worship is a worship service, that, that this right here is the act of worship in its entirety, that when we come together on Sunday mornings, we are worshiping and that's it. And, and the truth is that worship is so much more than just showing up to church on Sunday. Worship is not just a service at church. Worship is not a feeling, and worship is not something we watch. The truth is, plus-side worship does not equal empty rituals, emotionalism, or entertainment. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to, to be entertained. We're not here to, to perform and walk through empty rituals, and, and we're not here to be emotionally stimulated. That's, that's not the goal of coming together. I, I want to read, there, there's a prophet in the Old Testament. He's a minor prophet, uh, and all that means is his book is smaller. So I don't know, you know, I, I would be like, God, can I please write the biggest book so I could be a major prophet? I don't want to be a minor. Anyway, uh, his name was Amos. And Amos came on the scene, and he, he was having some difficulty with the people of Israel. They, they, were, they, were, they were going through and, and being emotionless in their worship. They were doing the things that God said they were, do, were to do, but they weren't doing them because they wanted to. They weren't doing them because God's desire was burning within them. They were doing them because it's what they were told to do. And, and so Amos comes on the scene and, and tries to explain to them what's going on. And God puts these words in his mouth. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-ending stream. Now, if you're like me, that's, that's pretty tough to hear. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a stench to God. I don't want my worship to be something that is offensive to God. So how do we worship on the plus side? What, what does that look like for us? Uh, how do we move our worship from something that, that's emotionalism or something that's ritualistic that we don't have any bearing to or something that's entertainment? And how do we really move into worship? What does that look like? And I, I want us to look at Jesus' words. In, in the Gospel of John, Jesus has this encounter with a lady at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. 
And really, what that means is she has, uh, she, she is, uh, by heritage, comes from the Jewish lineage, but they broke apart uh, when David's, uh, when Solomon's son took the throne. There was a split between uh, Israel. And so she is part of the split, and they were worshiping God on, on a mountain, but not worshiping God in Jerusalem. And, and what, that, what that meant is they, they had kind of a, an offshoot of Judaism. They weren't doing things the way that, that the Jews did, and, and the Jews really did not like them for it. They despised them for it. But Jesus finds himself in this town in Samaria, and he is at the well, and this is a well-known story, and probably uh, we could do a whole sermon series just on the conversation between Jesus and, and this woman. But what I want us to, to focus on is, is what he says about worship. Because she's like, which one of us is right? Y'all worship in Jerusalem, and we worship on the mountain. Who's, who's right? And Jesus' response is this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So the truth that we need to understand is that plus-side worship is not about a location, but about a disposition. We're not coming together in a location. We're not coming together in, in a place to be in worship, we, it, it's about a change in our hearts. It's about moving ourselves away from the idea that, that church is a building and church is, is that. And, and so, instead, it's about realizing that Jesus is calling us to a lifestyle of worship and not a place of worship. Now, we come together. Don't get me wrong. It is important for us to communally come together and worship. But that's not the end of worship. That is the beginning of worship, because worship takes us deeper than that. And I want to set the record straight. Worship begins and ends with God. God has desired it, God has designed it, and God calls us to it. But worship is not something that feeds God. God doesn't get energy from our worship. In the, in the, in the time of the, uh, the pantheon of gods, especially Roman and Greek gods, that they believe that God's fed off of the worship, that the things that they did were, were sustenance to the gods. And, and that's not what we have. We have a God that does not need our worship, but desires our worship. It doesn't make him stronger. Our worship has no benefit to God other than he desires us to be in a lifestyle of worship. God wants us in worship. God wants us, right? That's, that's easy for us to understand. We've seen that through Jesus Christ. Worship is how God wants us. God wants us to, to be in a lifestyle that, that is so transformed by what God has done in our lives that we can, we can be the people that God has called us to, not just on Sunday, but on the entire, every single day of the week. I, I, I think it's humorous to me when when I, I see people in church on Sunday and they behave one way and then I see them out uh, on any other day of the week and that is not how they're behaving. And so uh, the idea of worship is that every single day we're, we're being the same. We are being faithful followers of Jesus Christ to the utmost, to the, the deepest core of our body. And here's uh, Paul explaining what it means when, when we hear um, when we hear worship in spirit and truth. What, what, what does that look like? In Romans 
uh, 12.1, Paul has written a letter to the church in Rome, and he says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. A living sacrifice is not the same thing that we think of when we think of worship, is it? Typically, in America and, and, and probably throughout uh, most of the world, we, we, we would not equate those two things. But Paul is saying this is what worship is, being a living sacrifice, being the people uh, that are called by God all of the time. Now, in the Old Testament, what would happen is if you, read, uh, if you read the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, once you get past Genesis and Exodus, you're going to notice a trend in the wording. When God starts talking about the, the sacrifices that are brought to him, it's, it, they're brought before him, and he says over and over again, a pleasing aroma to God. Now that's in opposition to what, what Amos said earlier, a stench before the Lord. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to live a life that is a pleasing aroma to God. What does that look like? If we're, if we're really focused on it, it is different from just a, a coming together as a community one day a week. It's different because it transforms us from the inside out. The problem that we have is, is when, we, when we are focused on ourselves, we're not putting we over me. And that's, that's the key to who we are and what we're doing. It's, it's we over me. Instead of just what I want or how I want it, it's I, I want us as a community to come together and live faithfully what God has called us to. What does that look like? How can we do that? How, how can plus side worship move us to authentic worship. And I, I think it's, it's important for us to, to investigate this because we're, we're, when we worship God, we're not, we're not coming together in this space to have our needs met. Uh, and I know some of, for some of you, this is a surprising statement. We don't come together just to, to, to get fed. That, that's not what we're here for. And, and so if, if this is new to you, I'm, 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 I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, what we're here for is an audience of one. The band, me, you, we're not here, y'all aren't here to watch me. Y'all aren't here to celebrate Pastor Steve. We're not here to celebrate Josh and the, and the great things they're doing in the band. We're here because we are worshiping the living God who has made a change in our lives and given us the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we can live eternally in Jesus. So that's why we're here. We're here because God is making a difference in our lives, and that has to mean more than coming to be fed. It has to mean more than coming to, to celebrate ourselves and get worship done in our own image. And I think far too frequently, that's where we go with worship. It's got to be our style of music, or it's got to be our way of prayer, or it's got to be our level of holiness within the worship service. If it doesn't meet these standards, I, I, my mom is in town, she'll be here for the next service. I was at their church once, and I was talking, this was uh, years ago, and I was talking about the use of technology in worship. Uh, that, that we could put screens up and, and have lyrics for songs. And one of the guys standing nearby, he looked at me and he said, if they ever put a screen in here, I'm leaving because this place is going to hell. 
And I, you know, it's funny, you know, you chuckle, but the reality of it is that he wanted worship his way and he was unwilling to say whatever else is okay. He wanted it to go his way. Worship has to be my way or you're going to hell. And that's pretty abrasive. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the way that we want to go. I think, I think instead we need to recognize that, that worship can be everything. I, I, there was this guy, uh, oh yeah, his name was Jesus. And he was riding into Jerusalem, and the, the chief priest said, you've got to stop them from cheering and, and, and giving worship to you. And he said, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. If the rocks are holy enough to praise the name of Jesus Christ, and we are holy enough to praise the name of Jesus Christ, we can redeem all things in the name of Jesus Christ, because Jesus has redeemed them himself. Amen? And so we can do all of all these things because we can live in a way that makes a difference. And so it, it's not about a worship style. It's not about what we do here. It is about a lifestyle. So worship has to move us into an ethic of love. And what I mean by that, worship is the beginning. It, it is the, the response we have of Jesus offering love to us, and our only response for that is to share love and grace with others. That's what getting on the altar is. Now, here's the problem with being a living sacrifice, and it's a pretty powerful problem. We keep getting off the altar, and that's a hard line for us to recognize. Uh, and, and I'm not preaching just to you. I, I do the same thing. Uh, so as living sacrifices, you have to stay on the altar. It's, it's important for us to be there. We also have to work on uh, our relationship and invest in that relationship with God, self, and others. These are the ways that we can move, we can move into authentic worship. And, and finally, uh, we need to, to realize that worship is a lifestyle, that worship is what we do each and every minute of each and every day. We talked a while back about the presence of God, recognizing Jesus is with us at all times. What would that look like if we really lived, worship, lived out our, our lifestyle of worship, that we, we make a difference so profoundly in the world because we say we're going to follow Jesus with, with a, a new level. We're, we're going to get on Jesus' altar. We're going to stay there as living sacrifices. I mean, that makes us, when, when Paul talks about we are ambassadors for Christ, that, that kind of should blow our minds because an ambassador has the full rights and authority of the person they represent or the country they represent. Right now in the United States, we have ambassadors everywhere. They have full representation of the country. When they say something to a foreign diplomat, they have the authority of the United States backing them. When we say something as ambassadors of Christ, we have the authority of Jesus backing us. Now let that sink in a minute. When we say something rude, something hateful, something venomous to people, it's also that backing that we are being convicted by. So lifestyle of worship changes us, changes us to not just come together. So if we come together and we have a great, great worship service, that's fantastic. But we have to move beyond the worship service into a worship lifestyle. So I want to leave you with this story. There was a guy during World War II. He was a priest in Germany. Uh, his name, you may uh, recognize his name. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Dietrich was a, uh, uh, like I said, a priest. And, and he, 
he lived a, a pretty, pretty profoundly impactful life. He, he wrote a book that you may have read. If you haven't read it, uh, sell everything you have. It is a pearl of great price. That's a scriptural reference if you're not sure. Um, but that, it, it is called the, the Cost of Discipleship. It's an amazing book. Dietrich uh, was, was against all the things that the Nazis stood for. And so he, he fled his country knowing that they were going to come after him. And he tried to raise attention uh, in the world uh, around the, the idea of, of, hey, we need your help because the, what the Nazis are doing doesn't represent what, what Jesus Christ wants. And so he's trying to rally churches uh, in America specifically to come to the aid of the Christians in Germany. So the Christians were being persecuted as well, those that, that weren't following the state-sanctioned churches, but instead were, were trying to be Christian. And so Dietrich comes to the United States, and he's, he's trying so, so diligently to, to raise them, uh, and then he comes to an awareness about himself, and he says this, I have come to the conclusion that I made a mistake in coming to America. I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of the Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share in the trials of this time with my people. So Dietrich went back to Germany and he spoke out. Actually, uh, he, he kind of did some spy work and stuff like that because he was very against Hitler and the Nazis. Uh, he was in a plot to assassinate, he was involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler uh, because he really, he said, well, if, if this guy goes, we can, we can move past them. And so he, he took that upon himself. But he also took upon himself the, 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 the fact that he spoke out against the Reich and the Reich arrested him and put him in Schoenberg concentration camp. Now he, he during this time, he's writing books like The Cost of discipleship. While incarcerated, he writes letters and he writes stories about what's going on and about how God is using him to do things. And then after a worship service in a concentration camp uh, in 1945, Sunday, April 8th, 1945, after completing worship, he was escorted away. And he said this, uh, he said, this is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. He's escorted away. He knows they're going to execute him. And the next day, they hanged him until he was dead. And he was martyred on Jesus' behalf. Two weeks later, the Allies liberated Schoenberg concentration camp. His life was a life lived in worship. He got on the altar and he stayed there. And friends, that's where we need to go. Whatever the cost Whatever the desire, whatever the focus, we need to get on that altar and stay there and live a life of worship, obedient to what God is calling us to, because we can be the people that God wants. We can do the things that God wants, and God is not done with this country. God is not done with this city. God is not done with this world. God wants us to be a people of worship. God wants us to be that style of people, people who are, are sold out for Jesus Christ. And so I, I, I hope that you will join with me and that we will all get on that altar and we will try everything we can to stay there instead of getting back up and dragging ourselves back off. 
so that we can make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, you give to us the gift of Jesus Christ. What more can we, can we say? You, you offer to us life and, and life well lived, and, and so we, we rejoice in that. We thank you for that. Move us in our worship from, from just celebrating that one day a week into a life where we reflect that each and every day. Father, I just pray that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that we would be united and unleashed as your people, that we would be focused and driven as your people, and that we would worship well each and every day. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, and all of Cassidy agreed and said, amen.